The Jets are clearly focused on trading for Aaron Rodgers, but they should be just as focused on getting Quinn and Williams a long-term contract extension. Why are they not? We'll discuss it today on the Locked On Jets podcast. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, this is the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Wednesday, April 12th, 2023, and I'm your host, John B. from GangreenNation.com. Thanking you for making the show your first listen or first watch every day. Subscribe to the show on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts to receive new episodes as they are posted. If you enjoy the show and are listening on a podcast source, please give it a five-star review. And if you're watching on YouTube, please give this episode a big thumbs up. These things help the channel out and help other Jets fans find Locked On Jets. Today we have our weekly mailbag show. Each Wednesday we try and do a mailbag podcast with listener questions. Thanks to everybody who sent in your questions today. And let's get started with a question about Aaron Rodgers and Quinn and Williams. Hey John, with all of the attention on Rodgers, are the Jets taking their eye off the ball not giving Quinn a new contract? History is instructive, they say, and I don't have great confidence in this getting sorted out before it becomes a problem for us. Am I right to be pessimistic? Keep up the great work. Well, thank you for that. Are you right to be pessimistic? I don't know that it's necessarily tied to Rodgers. I, I think to an extent maybe it is because from the Jets' standpoint, the Rodgers deal still needs to get done. The Quinn and Williams situation, yeah, I think there is a tendency in this spot like this to say, well, this can wait. You know, Williams is under contract. He's not going anywhere. We don't have to worry about him leaving. So maybe we can wait till after the draft, a less busy time of the year to get this done. I don't know if pessimistic is the right word, but listen, there's a pattern, and it's a pattern that's been going on for over two decades. And in these two decades, there's only one thing that's been the same with the Jets. It's the ownership. It's been Chris and Woody Johnson. And for the last two decades plus, ever since the Johnson brothers bought, bought the team, and it was really Woody up until you know around 2017 or so before Chris became active, but in that time... The Jets have had very few easy negotiations with high-end players. And there, there have not been a ton of starts with the Jets, but it feels like every single time there's a star player who's up for a new contract, the negotiations become very, very acrimonious. And that began literally months after Woody Johnson bought the team when Keyshawn Johnson was traded to Tampa Bay for a couple of first-round picks. And sometimes, you know, sometimes these things work out because the Jets made out pretty well in that deal. Um, you know, you could think back to John Abraham in 2006, where he could not get a new deal. Jets traded him again. That one worked out pretty well because although the Jets lost Abraham and really have struggled to replace him in 2006, the Jets still are struggling to find a good edge rusher in all that time. But they did get the draft pick that they used to take Nick Mangold, Darrell Revis, you know, multiple acrimonious negotiations, even though Muhammad Wilkerson signed a contract, which ended up being a mistake in 2016. There was a lot of bad blood between the two sides then. Uh, you know, Jamal Adams is out of town. Again, another one that probably worked out for the Jets. So maybe maybe the lesson is the Jets should, should trade these guys. But it just seems like the Jets can never have an easy negotiation with a star-level player. And I think at some point you have to say the GMs have changed. The coaches have changed. Maybe the issue is ownership. And I think, you know, when Woody Johnson, you know, we, his reputation is being you know kind of reluctant to spend which is not entirely fair because the jets have always been willing to give out big free agent dollars 
Uh, they've always been willing to spend to the cap under Woody. They've always been willing to you know guarantee a lot of money. I mean, they're going to take on an enormous contract from Aaron Rodgers. But for whatever reason, there are certain areas where Woody Johnson is very cheap. And one of them is with coaches. He doesn't like to pay coaches. We know that because every single time he hires a coach, outside of Adam Gase, who was not a hot commodity at all, Adam Gase, who you know, was lucky to be a head coach, They've essentially hired. Uh, they've hired a first-time head coach, who tend, which tends to be cheaper. Uh, they've had issues with holding on to assistants for too long because they would not want to. Pay, they did not want to pay the severance, or at least that's there's that's an open to interpretation. You know, they never. It's never explicitly been said, but if you read between the lines, I think that that's a fair interpretation to draw in some cases with assistant coaches. And the other thing is, they just. I, I don't know what it is, and this goes. This goes to draft the draft when they. I mean, how many times in the last five six years have they struggled to get a first round pick in on time? over silly details that don't make any sense, things that the Jets really should not be negotiating over. They, under this ownership, they pick very weird lines in the sand to draw, where like they're give, they'll give Trumaine Johnson a blank check, but a star-level player or a first-round pick, they're, they're negotiating over these small details that just don't mean anything. And I think, again, I, I don't have anything definitive that says this is ownership, but... I think if if this has been going on, the same thing's been happening over and over and over. At some point, you got to say, what's the common thread here? And I think it's been ownership because there's nothing else that's been a common thread. So I don't know why it's so hard. I mean, I would have re-signed Quinn. I said this last year. I, and look, I'll, I'm lying to you if I told you I thought Quinn and Williams were going to have this kind of season. I thought Quinn and Williams were going to fall into the good but not great category of players. A year ago, I wanted him re-signed because... For once, the Jets at least had some sort of success story with the first-round pick, and I think at some point you got to say, "This is a good player. We got to start keeping the few good players that we develop." And I would have liked to have. And as it turns out, that would have ended up being a really good deal for the Jets because they'd have Quinn and Williams on a bargain contract going forward. But again, that was not my rationale, so I can't take too much. I can't take credit for that because I did not see this season coming where Quinn and Williams were going to be an all-pro. So that was not the rationale. But I, I would like to see this get done. You know, this is your best player. This is a guy you drafted third overall a few years ago. Get it done. Enough with this. Just enough with the acrimony. And Quinton Williams has said he wants to, he wants this done by the start of the offseason program. So he's probably not going to – I would have to guess he's not going to show because most of the offseason program is voluntary. It'll, there's a mini camp at the end which is mandatory. He'll probably show up to that. But typically what happens when a player is unhappy with his contract, he won't show up to the offseason program. And it's not a huge – you know, people will talk about it being a distraction. I mean – what what does an April or May distraction matter? But it's more just get this done. This should be the top priority. Stop focusing so much on other players. And when you have a premium player on your own team, keep them here. I don't think that should be a controversial uh, statement. Our next question. Can you explain what you mean when you said it's difficult to understand why Beckham was prioritized over Hopkins? What would you have liked the Jets to have done to show you publicly that they prioritized Hopkins over Beckham? How could they prioritize a player under contract with another team over one that's already a free agent? And how would them showing you this priority public be good for the team? Okay, so a couple of questions here. Okay, the second one's the easiest one to answer. How would they prioritize a player under contract with another team over one that's already a free agent? I think you know the answer to that question. I, I, that, they've already done that at quarterback, so it's pretty easy to see how that could be done. That, that one's a, that one's an easy one. I, I, it's not about them making it publicly known. They can't comment about a player who's under contract for another team. That's tampering. So it, it's not like they can go out and say in a press conference, 
that uh, you know we want DeAndre Hopkins. They would actually be punished if they did something like that. It's not about what they're doing publicly. It's just you know reading where they're at. There's been no buzz about them being in on DeAndre Hopkins. Yes, it's, is it theoretically possible that they've been stealth in stealth mode and they've been working behind the scenes and they're the favorite to land DeAndre Hopkins? No, but there are reporters who are work behind the scenes who get the get you the information. Are these reporters right 100% of the time? No, but are they right more often than people realize? Sure. And the, all the buzz is that they, they wanted Odell Beckham Jr. So I'm not, I, look, I don't know with 100% certainty that they prioritize Beckham over Hopkins, but you can read between the lines here. They were bringing Beckham in for a visit. They were giving him a physical. They were going to talk about his role on the offense. That sounds like he was their guy. And there's been no talk about them being in on Hopkins. There's been talk about Buffalo being in on Hopkins. There's been talk about other teams. You know, their their team national reporters, their reporters with Arizona. I've heard nobody say that they're in on Hopkins. So sometimes you have to use common sense a little bit. I think it's not about you know, it's not about the Jets publicly declaring we want DeAndre Hopkins. It's about where they're at, what the reports are telling you. So all the reports are saying that they were in on. I, I don't even see how this is. I, I'm actually kind of confused by the question because. Has anybody suggested that they prioritize DeAndre Hopkins over Odell Beckham Jr.? Has anybody, anybody, has this even been a suggestion that anybody has made that Beckham was not the top priority for the Jets over Hopkins? I, I'm not sure I entirely understand the question, but there's really nothing connecting the, the Jets to Hopkins. There was a lot connecting the Jets to Beckham. So, I mean, I think that that's pretty simple. And how, how would you prioritize a... a a player you'd have to trade for over a free agent. Well, the Jets have already given us the answer to that one. So I think that one's uh, pretty self-explanatory. Now, head here on the Locked On Jets podcast. We will continue our weekly mailbag show. We'll talk about how significant it is for the Jets to add another receiver. Is Nathaniel Hackett going to run a run-oriented offense? I'm not so sure about that. I do think they need to add another receiver, and I'll explain why as we continue this Wednesday mailbag edition of the Locked On Jets podcast. Today's episode of Locked On Jets is brought to you by Ultimate Football GM. We spend a lot of time on this podcast kind of playing Fantasy GM, and you've heard me talk about this mobile game app. If you've ever thought you make a good GM, you've got to give this game a try, because it's not as easy as you might think to create a dynasty. When you play Ultimate Football GM, you get to control and manage every strategic aspect of your team as you play through seasons and lead your team to glory as you try and build a historic dynasty. With Ultimate Football GM, you're responsible for controlling the destiny of your franchise by hiring the right coaches and coordinators, managing all the finances, including negotiating players, salaries, and terms, navigating your franchise through free agency, the draft, injuries, player personnel issues, and all the ups and downs of the season. And it's all in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Football GM is completely free and playable offline. Play on the go as you want and when you want to. And Locked On Jets listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using promo code Locked On all caps in the game store. Again, that's Locked On in all caps, so make sure to check it out today. And to download the game, just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up on the app stores. Again, that's ultimate-gm.com, Ultimate Football GM. Start your dynasty today. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen every day. We continue with our weekly mailbag show. Our next question is about the wide receiver position. John, how essential is it to add another receiver? The history of Nathaniel Hackett suggests the Jets will install a run-first offense. If that's the case, then is is the receiver room not adequate? I just don't see how the Jets can install a run-first offense with the personnel they have. They do not have the offensive line to do it. They still don't have a center. I I don't know who the—I mean, unless they're going with Schweitzer at center— and I don't think that would be a very good idea. I think he was a good 
backup, but if you want to run a run-first offense, you've got to have a great offensive line or you've got to have a great back. And I know you can say the Jets do have a great back, and I would probably agree with you, but Brees Hall is coming off a really serious injury. And I don't know that you want to put that on Brees Hall right off, right off the bat, that he's going to be the focal point of the offense again. And I think if you're trading for Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers is going to be the focal point of the offense. So when I look at this, I mean, do you want, again, do you want Brees Hall... You want to, week one, he's got to be great again, because essentially if you're running a run-first offense, that's what it's got to be, because you don't have the blocking up front. I mean, really, out of all the guys you've got, I, I think there's one person I have complete confidence in, and that's Elijah Vera Tucker, who I presume is going back to right guard. Outside of that, I mean, center is just an enormous question mark. I, I don't even know if you were asking me the name of the center, I'd probably just give you question mark, because we still don't know what's happening there. Lakin Tomlinson coming off a year that was not great, by his standards or by any standards. Um, then the tackle position, Dwayne Brown, you know, late 30s, coming off an injury-plagued season, you know, injury-plagued season where he gave it his all and actually returned and played hurt for much of the season. But still, you know, a guy in his late 30s coming off an injury-plagued se- season and Becton, look, Makai Becton, it would be great if, the, if he stayed healthy. It would be a huge boost to the team if he could figure out a way to put together 17 healthy games. It would be a huge boost to the team if he could put together 12, 13 healthy games and play well. But I think you have to view any contribution you get from Becton at this point as a bonus. I don't think it's something you can necessarily expect. So that means it's got to be the running back. And you know maybe they draft Bijan Robinson in the first round, and maybe that's how you run a run-oriented offense. But short of that, I mean, I just don't see how you can. It, it, I think you got to ease Brees back into the lineup. And I think you know once we get to November, December, that knee's going to be feeling better. Maybe we'll see the the vintage Brees, but I don't think you're going to see it right out of the gate. So. If it's going to be a pass-oriented offense, Aaron Rodgers get 39. It's going to be 40. I think you got to give him as much help as you can. You know, Aaron Rodgers, the the arm's still there. You know, he's, the smarts are still there, but he's 39. He's going to be 40. And I, I think that you want to add somebody beyond Garrett Wilson. You know, if if Corey Davis is like the Tennessee Corey Davis, then I do think this you could argue this unit's good enough. But you essentially need Corey Davis to be the player he was three, four years ago. And that might be a lot to ask. And after that, I just don't understand the love for Alan Lazard. This guy with like three 100-yard games in his career, and he's played with Aaron Rodgers the whole time. So it's not like you can say his, his play is going to be a lot better with Aaron Rodgers around. I think he's fine. I think he's an NFL-caliber receiver. I think he brings an element to the team that they may have lacked. I understand all that, but I... I, I don't think he's a guy you lean on. I think he's more of a complimentary part. I don't think he's a guy who's you know a big-time player for you. And Nicole Hardman, I mean, the guy produced pretty pedestrian stats in Kansas City. So I'd like to add somebody beyond Garrett Wilson. And also because if Garrett gets injured, then you, you're really in some trouble. And then you got a very shaky receiving group. So I guess that's why Hopkins is the guy for me, because Hopkins can step up. But suddenly you've got two number one receivers. So... I think that that's yeah, I think that's kind of where, where you're looking to go. Our next question: What do you think happens to the contours of a Rodgers deal if it's somehow not done by the end of the 23 draft? I think this becomes very interesting, and I think that there are too many moving parts to be able to say because one of the things the I don't know if this is what they're thinking, but one of the things the Packers might be looking at is there are teams that are probably looking to draft a quarterback this year, and in a world where maybe they don't get a quarterback, you know, maybe they become interested in Rodgers. And, you know, the, the challenge is Rodgers still has to want to play for these other teams. And we don't know where his head is at on that or really anything else right now. So it becomes very interesting 
Now, I think for the Jets, maybe it becomes a little bit easier to part with earlier picks. And this is kind of the interesting thing is, like, if you think this through, and this is just a theory of mine, it almost benefits both teams to get 24 picks because the 23 draft is not viewed as a great draft. Uh, you know, the Packers coach and GM probably have job security. You know, they're probably not going to get fired after this year. So a 24 pick in a draft class is probably going to be better than this year's draft class. You know, it might be more valuable to them. Whereas Joe Douglas and Robert Sala, they need to win this year. They're fired. So they want to load up with their all their 23 picks. So maybe it becomes a little easier to pull off. Uh, you know, maybe the Jets are a little bit more, a little bit more willing to give up a pick because Douglas is probably saying, you know what, I may not be here to make that pick. And, you know, I hate to talk this way because it's kind of cynical, but that could be the, it, maybe it's a little, I don't know, maybe it's a little easier. Maybe it's tougher. Maybe there's another team that jumps in in the summer. And that's the one danger. For, I will say this is the one danger for the Jets right now when you're talking about this Rodgers thing. The longer this goes on, and I'm not saying it's going to happen, I still think the odds overwhelmingly are in favor of the Jets getting Rodgers in part because Rodgers has said he wants to be here. The one danger that exists is that the longer this goes on, the more time it gives another team to jump in. If another team jumps in, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen for that other team. It doesn't necessarily mean Rodgers is going to want to play for them. But there's a danger that maybe something comes together. So the Jets, I think all parties want to get this done. My guess is that, you know, one of the one of the dates I'm looking at is the Friday. It's coming up in a couple of weeks where day two of the draft takes place because by that point, that's kind of the deadline for the for a 23 pick because that'll be past the point of round one. So then Green Bay will know we're not getting 13. And if they want to get a deal, they want to get a good pick, then they have to make a deal on the Friday before the second day begins. So that's my guess, you know, for kind of a soft deadline. If After that, I think all... all all bets are off, and I think you could see it going any number of ways. It's very difficult to say exactly uh, where what direction this thing is going to go in, however. Now, as we continue our Wednesday mailbag edition of the Locked On Jets podcast, we'll talk about a potential linebacker out there who could interest the Jets as star linebacker. We may also talk about another player that, who could interest the Jets who's on Green Bay right now. That's as we continue this Wednesday edition of the Locked On Jets podcast. This is the Locked On Jets podcast here on this Wednesday mailbag show. Our next question, Devin White wants to be traded. You can't have enough winners on the team. All in in 2023, Super Bowl run. Joe Douglas, go get him. It seems like more of a statement than a question, but I, I agree with you. I think that Devin White's exactly the kind of player the Jets should want. I mean, that might be the one type of player who's missing on this defense. So I, I'm with you on that. I don't know if the Jets will do it, though, because... While I don't think their linebacking group is great, I think the Jets love their linebackers. I think they like C.J. Mosley a lot. and I don't hate C.J. Mosley. I hate C.J. Mosley's contract. I don't think he's a bad player, but I don't think he's a great fit for Robert Sala's system. The Jets clearly love what he brings to the locker room. He's a leader. He's been voted team captain a number of times um, with the Jets. So I can't speak to that. I, I think, listen, he was on the podcast a couple of years ago. He's a great guy. He was one of the best interviews I've ever had. I, like, I love C.J. Mosley personally. I don't know he's a great fit for the Jets, though, for their system. I think in a different scheme, maybe he'd be a better fit. But I think the Jets really like him. And I think, you know, they're fo focused as much on any, anything on the fit in the locker room. I think the Jets love Quincy Williams. And this is to their, I think this is to their own detriment. Now, I did not have a problem with the contract they gave him. I thought it was a pretty reasonable deal. Quincy Williams will make the big play for you. He'll also make the big whiff. You know, he'll, he'll make a spectacular you know, tackle behind the line, a big hit for a two-yard loss, but he'll also whiff on a tackle that goes for 20 yards that you should have made. 
But I think the Jets really like these linebackers. So I, I don't know that they're going to make a big deal for, for a Devin White, even though I, I think I would. Our next question. It seems like David Bakhtiari would not mind being traded based on his comments the other day. How about Rodgers Bakhtiari for 13 and the two next year, and maybe one if the Jets win the Super Bowl? I would even consider throwing in Becton to make it work. If you don't think Bakhtiari wants out, listen to his podcast appearance yesterday. Yeah, and, and Bakhtiari, if you if you missed it, I, I did not hear it, but I, I saw the transcript. He essentially said the Packers are in are in a total rebuild mode right now, which is very interesting. You know, most players this time of year are telling you it doesn't matter how bad your team's going to be. They're talking playoffs. They're talking Super Bowl. It does sound like he wants out, but the thing is, he restructured his deal recently. So if he wanted out, he should not have restructured his deal because. It makes it very when you restructure your deal in the manner Bakhtiari did. It makes it very difficult to trade you, and essentially. So I looked this up, and I mean it's about thir- about a thirty eight million dollar cap hit if the Packers trade him. So that's and that's on top of forty million is for Rodgers. So we're talking close to like eighty million dollars if Rodgers and Bakhtiari leave the team. Now that could you know you could probably slice that in half if it's after June first and push the other half to future years, but it's an enormous t- cap hit. So. I would love I would love it if the Jets got David Bakhtiari. I think he's one of the best tackles in the NFL, but I just don't know if uh, I don't know if it's a viable option because he's just there's too much dead money for Green Bay when you factor in Rodgers. You know, earlier in the offseason, I would have told you I even remember doing a show where I, I, he was a guy I named as, the, as somebody the Jets could target. But uh, it's not it's not that I don't want it to happen. It's just I don't think it can happen. And yeah, I mean I did catch the I did catch the the what he said on the podcast. It sounded like, yeah, it definitely sounded like he wanted out, but then he should not have restructured his deal because I don't think he can get out um, just based on the finances. I think it, I think it's awfully tough, and I, I don't see how it happens. And our last question, how much stock do you put into the 7-10 and 10 record last year? I put a stock into it from the standpoint that it shows the Jets are not at the bottom of the NFL anymore. I think they're kind of in, like, the middle of the pack, and I think the middle is very broad. I think at the top there's, like, Kansas City, you can throw San Francisco in there, maybe Philly, uh, Cincinnati, Buffalo, you know, those teams. The bottom, you have your just horrible teams like your Houston's, teams like that. Most of the teams fall somewhere in the middle where, you know, you're probably, you know, there's a, there was an old saying between the, between the, uh, between the tens, which used to be ten and somewhere between 10 and 6 and 6 and 10. Now there's 17 games, so I don't know if that's 10 and 7 or 7 and 10. Maybe it's 6 and 11, 11 and 6. But the Jets are probably somewhere in the middle, and a lot of it's going to come down to luck. I think they've they got a good base of young talent for the first time in about 10, 15 years. And so they're, I think the days of 2020 are over. I think the days of 20, you know, 2021, where you're talking two, four wins, I don't think they're gonna, they're, they'll ever be in that spot unless they suffer a ton of injuries because there's just too much young talent on this team now. So I think that the team has improved. I think that the you know, seven wins shows that the team is, at least to some extent, moving in the right direction, but there's still some work to be done. And I, I think that, you know, it's, yep, you do have to remember that they did face a lot of backup quarterbacks last year. And I, I hate to say that because they took advantage of it. You know, you don't have to win just because you're playing a backup quarterback. We've seen that enough through the years for the Jets. Uh, but I, I think that it shows you they're a solid, you know, they're a solid football team, and with a few breaks, they can get, they could have gotten to the playoffs last year, and with the right moves, you know, they could be able, able to make a move. I don't know, I don't know if the Jets have really made many moves this offseason, but had they made the right moves, you know, or maybe there are some good moves ahead if they have a good draft, you know, maybe they can take another step forward this year. 
That's all for today's episode. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day is our motto. As always, if you enjoyed the show, hit the subscribe button where you're watching or listening so that you'll never miss an episode. Please, a five-star review if you're listening on a podcast source or a big thumbs up if you're watching this episode on YouTube. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Jets.